There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. I am here with Prema, and she is a former Hindu who gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ after a dramatic conversion experience. She's also written a fantastic book called From Cows and Cobras to the Cross of Christ. It's published through Deeper Revelation Books, our publishing company. And I'm very familiar with the story because I was blessed to be able to edit it along with my daughter. And it's a fantastic book, wonderful story, heartwarming. And we're here with Prema now, and she's going to share what it was like to be raised on the grounds of a Hindu temple and have an encounter with Jesus that just took you a totally different direction unexpectedly. Yes, uh, I don't even know where to start, but I know there is a starting point. Thank you so much, you Pastor Mike and Pastor Elizabeth, for having me on this podcast. I'm very thankful. And um, again, I want to say thank you also for publishing the book. You all did a great job. Thank you. I grew up in Trinidad on the grounds of a Hindu temple. And uh, that's all we knew because my entire generation, for generations, were all Hindus. So we never, I was never exposed to Christianity. My exposure to Christianity came at the age of 12 when I had no idea about this person named Jesus. But I, I will tell you that in a minute. But I saw in, in my years of growing up in our Hindu temple, my grandmother who raised me, she was so dedicated. She was married on the Hindu rites at the age of, she was nine and my grandfather was nine 12. Nine years old. Yes. 12 years, my goodness, I can't imagine. Nine, and, she, and my grandfather was 12. And uh, my mother got married at 14, and my dad was 15. But these marriages were arranged. And so they didn't see each other until the day of the wedding. And so, yeah, I grew up that way. All I saw was religion. We had a, a beautiful temple on the grounds of our house. And, of course, we didn't know. So we had all the things that went with Hinduism, the images. You know, some of the gods had two hands or four hands or 18 hands or 100 hands. So we just worshipped those things and did it with love. We did it with love and with all our hearts because this was our mindset. This is where, you know, how we were raised. Did you actually believe that the idols represented an actual living God, a living deity that was in a higher spiritual realm? Yes, definitely. As a matter of fact, in Hinduism, you worship 333 million gods. Hmm. And so there is a god for every single thing. And we do believe that with every single god you worship, you're worshiping something that is higher than you, even though it's in the form of a statue or a stone, or if you worship a fish or a tree or an animal, which I did, you know, in Hinduism. I worship the cow, literally worship the cow, worship the cobra snake, and all these things. 
Was that because in Hinduism, the basic belief is pantheism, the idea that God or the Godhead emanates itself in the form of the universe. And so everything has a divine essence. The cobra has a divine essence. The cow has a divine essence. And so it's not a thing unthinkable to worship those things, right? That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And that is why even when, when a Hindu dies in reincarnation, we believe in reincarnation. So when a, a Hindu dies, we, in our custom and in our culture, we believe we are born again and again and again between 84,000 and 87,000 times that you, that you come right? back. And in Hinduism, do they teach that it's always progressive or do they teach that you can shift from a human state back to an animal state and and uh, shift back and forth? It's back and forth. It depends on the works. So if you live an evil life, you may backtrack into an animal form. Right. And if you live a good life and you do all these good works, uh, you get a, you know, you get promoted, let me say, in that way, you get kind of promoted. By karma. Yes, by karma, <laughs> exactly, right. because what you do here, you have to pay, and it's just, a, it's just a cycle. So the whole goal in life is to get rid of all your negative karma and become such a perfected person that you can be released from the cycle of rebirth. Exactly. What, what the, do they call that release? Um well, actually, they just, you know, you're reincarnated and then you, you, your soul goes on to a higher level. Mm-hmm. And that's the end uh, of your story. Isn't that called samadhi or... or you know, some of the words are the not... The Buddhists yeah. call it nirvana. Okay. And I think the Hindus call okay. it samadhi. Well, I'll tell you a lot of, a lot of the things as well that... Um, I'll tell you what I know, but there are so many things in Hinduism that even a good Hindu is not aware of. Mm-hmm. or doesn't know, because we don't even know where Hinduism started. It is said that it was started in India maybe 3,000, 5,000 years ago. Um, it is also said it's the oldest religion, but nobody could actually put a finger on it and say, well, this is where it started. As we could say in the Bible, the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Mm-hmm. So there is a beginning there, but, um, but my people are very wonderful people. I come from a very lovely race of people. They're oh, good people. Right, you and, know? and they have morals, and they have desire to live according to certain standards. Yes. And by the way, it's not samadhi. Samadhi is the word for an enlightened state of mind. Okay. It's moksha. It just okay. came back to me. Okay, so moksha. you know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember, I was involved in Hinduism. That's I right. taught yoga and meditation at four universities. And so, um, but it's been 50 years ago, so some of the words elude me from time to time. Well, tell me about what happened when you were a child and, and had an encounter with the Lord. Um, I was 12 years old, and this is how I got introduced to Jesus. I was 12 years old, and I was in, this was in a dream, a dream vision, but I would say mostly it was a dream. My grandmother slapped me, and when she did, I, um, I ran across the street. And when I ran across the street, there was this little church, which, which in real, there was no church. It was just in my dream. And when I ran across, I came to the very back of the church when I just opened the door and fell on my knees, and I'm, my head is down, and I'm really sobbing, and I'm sobbing, and I'm feeling in my heart, why did she hit me? I didn't do anything wrong. And suddenly, I looked to the front. I felt a presence in the room, and I raised my head, and I looked to the front, and there was a platform 
and a statue was on that platform. It was painted in blue and white. And suddenly this, this statue started to shake. Softly it started to shake and then suddenly as it shook it became a person. And this person started to walk, walking towards me and as he walked it was dropped in my heart, this is Jesus. So you just knew intuitively? Yes, this is how I didn't know anything about Jesus. His name was never mentioned in our home. We were forbidden to speak That's the amazing. name of Jesus. So he came and he knelt down and he dried my eyes and he said to me, Do not weep, my child. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father for in my name you shall receive. I knew nothing about Jesus. I got up the next morning and I just announced, I said, I dreamed Jesus, and you could have heard a pin drop because that name was not mentioned in my home. And so two weeks later, I had another dream with Jesus. And, and what happened in that dream? That time, I didn't, sp- I, didn't tell, I didn't share it because I knew better. But <laughs> in that dream, two men were in this big, long, black limousine, and they were coming to kidnap me. I knew it. I was coming from school. And when I saw them coming towards me, I, I froze. And all I did was I looked up and I just screamed, Jesus! I screamed in the dream. And here comes the Lord Jesus Christ coming down in a sitting form. He's sitting and his white robe dazzled these men. I could still see. They go like this. And he just, he landed. He didn't even touch the ground. He was like a few feet from the ground extended his left arm, I sat here on the arm of Jesus Christ and went up in the clouds. And I'll never forget those two things. And then, of course, I had nobody to share it with, and I didn't know the, the depth, profoundness of that. Isn't that strange? That, that he revealed himself to you, and how many years was it before you actually understood that he was the Savior of the world? Twenty. Twenty years later. Because I was 32 when I got saved. And I believe those dreams had symbolic meanings, don't you? Yes. That the statue vibrating and then coming to life, maybe that was God's way of revealing to you as a Hindu child that he was the living God and not just a statue. And the two men in black in a limousine trying to kidnap you, do you feel like those may have represented demon spirits? Yes, I believe that because the black, even you know, even the way and the, and what they were trying to do, I believe it was God was showing me good and evil mm-hmm. in those two dreams, just two weeks apart. And um, but still, I didn't have this, you know, I didn't have anybody to discuss this with, and so I kept it in my heart, and so I started to search. If I knew any better, I would have gone to a church or find somebody and say, well, you know, because. Salvation is such a wonderful thing. It is. You know, it's... It needs to be shared. Yes, yes. Well, tell me the rest of the story. How did God lead you finally to the cross, from cows and cobras to the cross of Christ? Oh, what a title. What a title. Praise (laughs) God. (laughs) Yeah, well, I remember, too, I had another title, and it was you, Pastor Mike, who the Lord put in your heart. Well, why don't we go with this title? And, you know, and even the cross... You know, Pastor Mike suggested it, so thank you again. Well, you're welcome. I thought that really summarized your journey in a good way. But Uh, uh, tell me the next stage. Tell me the next step. So I kept searching. Well, then, you know, at the age of 17, my marriage was arranged. Um, Again, Hindu, I was a 17-year-old old old maid. 
because in my religion... An old maid in 17. An old maid at 17, right. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. Um, and I, was, I, was, I went through a lot of domestic violence, and the, the marriage, it failed. Of course, I, I was able to come to New York City and then move to Canada. And after that, my mother said, she said to me, well, now you're 24 years old. Indian women don't stay single, so I'm going to find you a man. And I told her I didn't want a, a husband, you know. <laughs> but she said, no, you have to get married again. And so she arranged a marriage for me. Mm. And when I saw him, I said I didn't like him. Sorry. But I said I didn't like him. But um, she told me you would learn to like him. The fact of the matter is that we have a beautiful son and he has a beautiful wife. But he never liked me. I never liked him. So we just didn't like each other. But that was how it is. Anyhow, I was still searching. So in my, in my um, search, I ended up going to the, the search in India, from Canada to India, traveling from, from the state of Punjab, where my family come from. Um, I'm, I'm Punjabi and Bengali. So, um, yes, yeah, so from the state of Punjab, I drove for two days by car got to the foothills of the Himalayas and took a horse and sat on that horse for five hours going up that mountain to go and worship one of my stone gods and standing up in the cold Himalayas mountain. I went up to the, this very famous mandir up on the mountain called Vashnu Devi. And um, Vashnu Devi Temple. That's the name of the god? The temple. The temple is yeah. Vashnu Devi. Vashnu Devi, Devi Temple. But on my way up there, I saw people walking, not really walking, they're crawling. They're crawling up the mountain to go up and worship, and they're crawling on their knees. And many of them have known their knees become so bloodied that they're bleeding, but they're crawling to and go up. And they think somehow that will make amends for their sins, make amends for the, any evil choices they've had in their lives. That's it. To try and do away with the negative karma? Yes, exactly. Exactly. That is exactly what happened. And so I went up there, and I just spent two single minutes for when I fell before the idol. Two minutes. That's all and they allowed you, huh? Yes, because the, God, the lines, you can't see the lines. The lines are so far. People are lining up and standing in cold mountain water to come and fall before the stone idols. And of course, those are our gods, you know, and we, we, we love our gods. It's not like we, you know, we do this because we, we believe in what we believe. We believe very passionately in what we believe, and that is why we do what we do. And then the God came and touched me on my back, and he says, jolly cuddle, jolly cuddle, meaning, you know, hurry up, hurry up. And so I got up, and I was, nothing happened in my heart. It was just still the same old prima. Nothing. There was no peace. Then I went into the river Ganges. Of course, that's the holiest river in India. Right, right. I worshipped the cows at the Ganges River. I put the big malas around the head of the cows. And then you feed them, you know, jalebi and ladu, all these Indian sweets. You feed the cows. Because in India, the cows are considered as a mother. And the reason is because they, they give milk as a mother. So that is how... We are born and raised to worship the cows. 
And so m most uh, strict Hindus are vegetarians yes. and would never kill a cow for its meat, right? Yes. And, and also it might be interesting to those that are listening to know why the Ganges River is so important. Isn't, isn't it taught in Hinduism that if you bathe in the Ganges, it has some type of spiritual effect? Yes, yes, it does. And um, it's, it's actually the holiest river to the Indians and to the Hindus. It's the holiest river that even when you go there and you bathe, there is also to do with your karma and your reincarnation. So it kind of washes away the evil karma. And I, I've read in one place that uh, if a person right before they die bathes mm -hmm. in the Ganges, they don't have to be reincarnated. They can go direct back to, uh, that, that may be the particular teaching of one guru that I studied under, or okay. one particular sect of Hinduism. Okay, because I don't, I don't really think, honestly, that too many of them agree with with what they see. Everybody, it's because, you know. They all have a lot of opinions. They have their own opinions, and that's their opinions. And so um, so I went there, and it was just cold, cold mountain water, and I was freezing, and nothing happened. I didn't have a change of heart. I still was empty. And then I got home, and then here were these ladies from the temple, and they waited for me to bow at their feet, and I, I just didn't want to bow. I just didn't feel that I wanted to bow. And so I was kind of term rebellious, you know, but I believe even during that time, the Lord was doing something in me. Right, he you was know? convicting your heart. Yes, and so I moved back to, I came back to Canada, and I, nothing happened. Tell me about yeah. your salvation. Okay. okay, so I moved to, I moved to Florida, and I lived in Georgia, and then I went to New York City, and I was searching. I was an empty basket case. So one morning in New York City, I felt I just didn't want to stay home. I was going on with, I was having a lot of issues. By now, uh, my son and I were alone because um, my second marriage was finished with. Sanjay was only two years old at the time. So anyhow, I, moved, I went to Manhattan, and while I was there, I walked around, and the next day there was going to be this big blizzard in Manhattan. But I had on a light coat, and I didn't even feel it. And so I spent half day just walking blindly. And as I was coming back, uh, at the front of this restaurant, there were stacks of paper, newspaper. And I just felt to go pick up a newspaper. Well, I don't know. I think it was free, but if it wasn't, it's too late now. <laughs> Nothing I could do about it. <laughs> but I came home. I didn't greet my family. My aunt, I stayed with my aunt in New York City, and my little boy, Sanjay, was six years old. And so I just didn't greet anybody, and I went into the bedroom, and I just plumped myself on the bed, opened the newspaper, and I'm going like this. In anger, you know, I got this anger and this this rage inside of me, this emptiness, like what you know, I need something. God, like where are you? And one day I even pointed my fists like this and I said, If you're God, kill me. Because I was so fed up. I said, I'm a good person. Why are you doing all of this to me? That was my stupid thinking. But we can't blame God no. for the way other people treat us. That's and we right. all tend to do that. Yeah. We all say, God, why did you put me through this? But sometimes it's not God at all. He's hurting with us the whole time. You see, but I didn't know, mm -hmm. right? I didn't know that. And um, in, my, in my religion, it was like you're paying for your bad deeds from the last life. 
So I was wondering, like, how much bad did I do? You know, <laughs> right. like, when is this thing ever going to end? <laughs> so, but when I was flipping the newspaper in my anger, I came across this little um, ad. It says Zion House of Worship, and there was a phone number. Now, there was no name there, just the, the church and the phone number. And I felt pressed in my heart. Called the church, I heard it three times, through my being. Called the church, called the church, called the church. And I'm thinking, like, why am I going to call this Christian church? I'm a Hindu. But I felt pressed to call that church. I picked up that phone with the intention of just banging it. But when I called the church, it was answered, and the person on the other line turned out to be a former Hindu. And he turned out to be the pastor of the church, whose name was not on the ad. My, my. You know what I call that? I don't call it a coincidence. I call it a God incident. Yes, it, yes. It's when God works a miracle and remains anonymous. The fact that you could find one phone number of one church and it be a former Hindu, the odds of that happening are through the roof. Oh, my. And in New York City of all places, it wasn't in this little small town, you know, New York City. So um, I started to cry and say, well, this is what's happening. And I started to actually bawl and cry. And I was uncontrollable in my cry. It was like a, a fountain burst inside of me. And so he invited me to come to church the next day. And I went. There was a big, huge, uh, what do you call those? Blizzard. A blizzard. And so anyhow, my aunt said, where are you going? Look at the weather. I said, but I have to go. I need help. And I felt if I didn't go that day, I was going to commit suicide. I, I had reached that place in my life. So I went, and then I got lost all over New York City. Anyhow, I did end up at the church there, and they were very cordial, very kind. But when I walked in, I saw all these Indian ladies wearing their lovely saris, you know, my Indian wear. Right. And they're clapping, and they're putting their hands up like this, and I'm looking up in the ceiling, and what, what are they pointing at? And I have <laughs> no idea what's going on. You know, this is my first time seeing my people worship as Christians. Praise God. Oh, praise Jesus forever. So um, then, anyhow, he gave us, the pastor gave us a sermon, and then he gave an altar call, which I understand now is an altar call, uh, you know, but I did hear him talk about this person named Jesus who died and his blood was shed and he died for the whole world and how he can forgive you no matter what your sins are. And he shared a beautiful message. And when he gave that altar call, I found myself at the front of the altar and he prayed with me that day. I pray to receive Jesus into my heart Praise God. in faith. Wonderful. Yes, thank God. And you know, when that happened at that altar, two things that I remember happened to me. I felt weight rolled off my back, and I know it is the weight of sin that I carried all my life. And I also felt like a veil came out of my eyes. I felt like scale falling out of my eyes. And then as I grew in Christianity, I read that in the book of Acts, mm -hmm. where Paul had scales right. fall off his eyes. And that's how I became a Christian. And when I wa went home that day and my aunt opened the door and she saw me, she's, she says, what happened to you? She says, your face looks different. <laughs> now, what happened is because God's peace invaded my heart. Praise God. Oh, I'm so grateful. 
And so um, I told her, I just said, I became a Christian today. And she screamed, you could have heard five blocks away. She got so angry and upset because remember, we had no Christians in our family for generations. This was a new thing. But you became highly contagious, didn't you? Well, <laughs> by the grace of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who in your family came to the Lord after that? Wow, my same aunt got saved a year after. I had moved back to Canada with my son. She went into a Pentecostal church and gave her life to Christ. My mother gave up on me for eight years. Eight years. Eight right. years, I had no contact with her. Mm. She wrote me, uh, when I will write her letters, she will write back, refuse by addressee. And it was really, it really hurt me. I went to her door one day and I knocked and she opened it and she looked at me and she just said to me, as far as I'm concerned, you're dead. And she pushed the, the door back in my face. But eight years later, she came, because I prayed and fasted for her a lot. And eight years later, she came one day into the church and God gave me the privilege of leading her Praise to Jesus. God. That's awesome. What a testimony. And then my grandmother got saved on her deathbed. And then my uncle, who was next in charge for the Hindu temple, he got saved. So he was in charge of the same Hindu temple yes. where you lived as a child? Yes. And he got saved. He got saved. When I first went back and I told him about Jesus, he took his fist and he hit his chest and he called me the Pope. He said, here comes the Pope, because of course they don't know anything about Christianity. <laughs> but he ended up getting saved. And one day I said to him when I went back, it was so strange when I went back and there was no temple on the yard because I grew up with this temple. So I didn't see any temple. And, and um, I asked him, I said, Uncle, I said, how come you didn't keep the temple? Um, I knew he wasn't supposed to because now he is a Christian, but I wanted to hear from him. And he said, he said, now Prem, because that's what they call me. He says, Prem, I am a Christian and I did not want any mixture. I want to serve Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father except through me. So he said, when I read that, I knew that it's, I cannot mix. He says, I, I know people didn't understand it, but I have to stand for what God says in the Bible. And, and of course, a, the first two commandments, God said, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And he said, you shall not make any graven images. So to walk with God in covenant with the true God, the living God, those things would have to be yes uh, have to be removed from our lives well we've really used up just about all of our time okay. but i do want to make it very clear you believe in one life now right oh yeah oh well <laughs> hebrews nine twenty seven says it's appointed unto man once, once to, to die, die and after that the judgment yes. yes yes and so you no longer believe in reincarnation oh no and no. how many gods do you believe in now now i believe in my father i have one heavenly father one god <laughs> made up of father son and, and holy, holy spirit yes and these three are one yes so from 330 million gods, you narrowed it down to just the one true and living God. And listen, Prema has such a phenomenal story. I would urge you to get her book. All you have to go, go to is deeperrevelationbooks.org. That's deeperrevelationbooks.org. And look up from cows and cobras to the cross of Christ. There's a whole lot more to your story. So much more detail, 
And it's all such a revelation of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, and how God finds a lost sheep. I was lost. I was a teacher of yoga and meditation at four universities and all involved in Hinduism. You were raised in Hinduism. Yes. And so there's a lot of people who embrace that worldview that are just lost sheep. And we need to share with them that Jesus really is the Savior of the world. Mm-hmm. Is there any last thing you want to say, Prima? Well, I just want, I just, I'm so grateful to the Lord for saving my soul. And I just want to see people come to know Jesus. And I want to just spend the rest of my life leading them to Christ. Well, on our website, thetruelight.net, you can also find Prima's book. And you can find her email address where you can communicate with her personally. Her story is under written stories on thetruelight.net, and I'm sure she'd be glad to respond to you. Thank you so much, Prema, for being with us. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light, and thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.